This is the Wizard of Monadnock Radio Hour, and I am your host, the Wizard of Monadnock, coming at you live from deep within the wizard's lair in beautiful Peterborough, along the banks of the fair Kentuckook. Welcome to episode 20. Happy February! Hope everybody's surviving winter okay. I myself am getting by, at least barely. The end is in sight after all. Now this month we've got a special treat. Our first guest in about six months or so. And right now I'm going to make you a promise I've made many times before and I've never kept. I'm going to make this quick so we can get right to the interview. And this time, I swear to God, I mean it. First a little business though. But see, here again, this time, we're not doing a commercial. In fact, this is kind of the opposite of that. You see, after a year and a half, I have made the difficult decision to shut down my Patreon and pause, at least for the time being, my subscriber-only offerings. And if I wasn't initially going to make this shocking announcement on this program today, and I'm not sure that I was, I actually inadvertently forced my own hand by giving some of this away in the course of my discussion with today's guest. So, kind of preempted myself there. Uh, Now, the reason for this, it's, it's twofold. Firstly, in all honesty... I feel I have never been able to deliver properly the level of service and consistency that I was promising and that my patrons deserved. And, you know, believe it or not, this is something that has led to a lot of nights kind of paralyzed by guilt. You know, I don't get my Patreon obligations done. And, you know, this leads to me saying, well, I can't do my other stuff because I haven't done the Patreon stuff. And then it it turns into this kind of like paralytic spiral where I uh, shut down and watch TV. Not a good thing. But this, you know, combined with the fact that the subscriber base, frankly, just never grew to the level I had hoped, it made it clear recently that the entire wizard operation benefits if I cut out this subscriber model that is clearly not actually working. Sometimes you got to make those decisions, you know. Uh, the, the, the whole will benefit by excising a part unfortunately. Part of growth, sometimes. But secondly, however, and on a much more positive note, there is a big new project cooking. And it's not speculative. This is something that is already half, more than half baked. All right. This is the biggest one yet. And I can't tell you any more than that because you do have to wait a few more weeks till it comes out of the oven. But it is, this one is coming out of the oven and you're going to love it. This is going to be a collaboration between myself and several others. And, you know, it it transcends this project. In fact, much of the Wizard of Monadnock project is going to be contained within it. Now, I don't want you to be worried by me saying that. You see, this program is going to continue as it always has. And perhaps, we can hope, a little bit more consistently. All the writing you've come to know and love, hopefully, or hate on the blog, it's all going to remain. But we're at a point where this thing is actually getting bigger and the way to allow it to live up to its potential is to bring in more people and to let it be huge. Rivendell, my friends, and that is all I can say. I perhaps have said too much, but please stay tuned. 
Today's guest is train conductor extraordinaire, New Jersey Paisan, and pop culture blogger John Palmucci. John and I first connected online more than two years ago as fellow members of the Socialist Party USA. Now, over time, despite the fact that when we both attended the party convention in New York City in late 2017, he chose to go on disastrous Tinder dates instead of drinking after hours with me. Despite this, he has become an extremely close friend, someone whose opinion I trust and rely upon, and someone with whom I am in more or less constant contact. There's a man after my own heart here. He writes over at a winnerisme.com. There's going to be several links to that in the episode notes. He writes everything from passionate screeds on grief and love to careful analyses of film and television. Today, we're going to talk about who killed Tony Soprano, what happens after we die, and how we survive between now and then. So without any more nonsense, and see, I told you I could do it, even if I can hardly believe it myself, please welcome to the program, John Palmucci Jr. So, John Palmucci Jr., welcome to the Wizard of Monadnock Radio Hour. Hey, how's it going? Not too bad, not too bad. It's a it's a pleasure to have uh, my favorite Jersey Paisan on the air. Um, and so, for those of you who are unaware, um, not sure what exactly I'm going to say in my intro, so hopefully I won't repeat too much here. But uh, you know, John is someone that I have met through our work in the Socialist Party. And uh, which is uh, is mostly thankless work, but I am very grateful for the friendship that I have formed with this guy. Uh, he's he's really become a very close friend of mine. He's down in Jersey now. Uh, you and Pat sometimes argue about this, but are are I mean I know he's a Central Jersey guy. Are you considered North Jersey or are you Central as well? It depends who you ask. Some go by like the county line that. Uh, you know, there's Union and Middlesex counties, right? And I'm actually right on the, I'm right across the border from Union County. So I'm technically still Central Jersey. Then okay. others, then others go by um, the, there's this really big parkway bridge that goes over the Raritan River, uh, like over by the, like, uh, New Brunswick kind of area. And others will go by that. And if you go by the, what they're saying, then I'm North Jersey. Very know. interesting. An interesting geographical controversy there. Yep. Uh, and and we, we we do on this program like to talk about um, uh, exotic lands like New Jersey. <laughs> oh, look no further than the Garden State. Um, absolutely. Um, so um, now one of the things um, that that has been an interesting thing between John and I. So so John's a writer and John's a great writer. And uh, he, he's got a blog called The Winner Is Me, and we'll be linking to that, of course, in the episode notes. But uh, I owe John kind of a lot because back in – it was around um, – well, when did you really start writing a lot regularly? Was it like July, like June, July, August, somewhere uh, in there? Yeah, some, uh, somewhere probably around there. Uh, yeah, maybe sometime in early July I started. So – he starts writing this stuff and he's making posts regularly. And then, you know, uh, a, a little bit of, you know, the, the, the friendly internal competition that is within me kind of, you know, um, poked its head out. And I was like, 
man, I haven't been writing anything. You know, I haven't I haven't been making blog po- blog posts at all. Really, uh, I would say even since I I really started this podcast program, my writing has just decreased in frequency uh, and even in length. I think. And so this really kind of lit a fire under my ass. I was like, man, I want to do that too. And so ever since kind of late summer, you know, some weeks, um, some weeks, neither of us write anything, you know, some weeks, one of us does some weeks, you know, uh, we share each other's stuff and we give each other feedback. And uh, it's a, it's a really nice writer to writer relationship to have, I think. Definitely. And, and so John writes about a lot of things. Um, but some of the stuff that some of the, there's some kind of recurring themes um, that that come back around and and they I would say the the biggest ones are probably um, being Italian, grief, mm-hmm. and love. Yeah. And um, you know these are things that are uh, integral to life in general. At least two out of the three are for me. It's three out of the three. Um, so not, not to like put you on the spot, man, but I'm wondering if you can kind of just talk generally about some of the stuff you've sort of been writing about as you work through it in terms of like, I mean, you've had really kind of a period of tremendous personal growth after, you know, a few years of some real heartache. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're going to be able to like edit my, uh, (laughs) yes. (laughs) When I, when I pause and I'm like, uh, 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 yep, I can edit stuff. Okay. Um, so yeah, I kind of, I had been in therapy for what, um, the better part of two years. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going on three or maybe I'm going on two years. I don't know, but it was the longest I've ever been in therapy for my life. Uh, and basically, the reason why I was going was I had uh, I dealt with two big losses, like kind of back to back. I lost my father in January of 2015, and then I lost my girlfriend at the time. Uh, well, obviously, my girlfriend at the time. What a stupid thing to say. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I lost my girlfriend, Melissa, in August of 2016, so you know, a little more than a year apart, and uh, you know, I that's or, like a really hard thing for anybody, I think. Yeah, that's yeah, and yeah. you know, and I started trying to like when I first started trying to like wrap my head around things, I would kind of like make these long, sprawling like Facebook posts, and and you know, people would always say to me, family and friends, oh, you're such a good writer. Oh, don't worry. You know, all the platitudes and stuff, right? Yeah, Um, yeah. But it did make me kind of realize, like, there's something, there's something I can do here. Uh, There's something I can do with this. I actually had already had that website, too, A Winner Is Me. I already had it, because I had originally planned on, like, covering, like, uh, like, nerdy kind of like pop culture kind of stuff right yeah, and i think it, i remember like one early post that you made on it like before like you started writing started writing is yeah. that am i remember right? yeah i yeah there was one where i chronicle my visit to toys r us which is now no longer there because there are no toys r us's um might be coming and, back yes yes <laughs> and, then I, and then i did another one where i basically mocked like the whole kind of fan theory kind of uh mindset around the star wars movies because 
the uh, the uh, the Last Jedi had just come out around that time, so I kind of like taking the even though I'm a Star Wars fan, I like taking the piss out of the whole uh, you know everything's there's got to be a theory behind everything. Someone's really this person's parent and and all that stuff. So yeah, those were like my first two pieces, and then I just stopped writing because I just I'm like I don't know what to do. And then it wasn't until, uh, you know, I guess I had gotten enough of that, like, reinforcement from these. I I thought at the time were just silly Facebook posts. Like, uh, but, yeah, it, I said to myself, well, I have this thing here. I might as well get to writing. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for, from my outside perspective, I, I think that you've, you've come a long way. I mean, you started off as a great writer to begin with. So it's not so much about like, you know, you, you got to be a good writer because you, as you said, you already were for sure. But like, just in terms of like processing things, you know I mean? You've got some really insightful things that you've been sharing just about, you know, small things that will trigger memories, whether it's, you know, the Sopranos, you know, or, or, or something that you used to do with somebody. Um, or even other events in life, like finding new love after losing love mm-hmm. to death. Yeah, uh, it, it's funny because I've always been told either by like, you know, someone who I would have, who I had used to date and would then tell me, well, here, here's all the things you did wrong. You know, uh, those types are just like anyone who knew me, really. They'd always say, I spend too much time in my head. And they're right. Mm-hmm. I do. I yeah. do, but I think the difference now is like I used to spend all this time in my head, and and it was just like full like it was me talking to myself and like doubting myself and talking myself out of things and kind of sabotaging myself, right? And what I did was well that inner dialogue uh, was already there, so I just kind of turned that into like well. There's a lot you can learn about yourself if you're going to be inside your own head like all this time. And I know there yeah. is no way I'm stopping that. So Yeah, well, and especially if you're going to suffer, right? Especially if things kind of suck. Oh, yeah. I mean, you might as well try to get something out of it, right? Oh, yeah. I mean. <laughs> now, um, what do you think happens after we die? Uh, you know, it's, it's a tough one. Um, just being around the kind of people I'm around, like, you, you know, you had mentioned our, um, our, uh, of, our you know, our, our connection per- in the socialist party, <laughs> the political stuff, right? Uh, our, per- <laughs> our what? Our perversions. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. And that, yes. That's our political it. perversions. Yeah. <laughs> yes. How apropos. Um, so yeah, you run across like a lot of atheists or I don't know, like the yeah, what nihilists, like people who just it's weird. It's uh, there's people who believe apparently believe so strongly in like an economic system, but don't have any kind of belief in anything else, which I always right. thought was weird. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know if it's Pearly Gates and who is it, Peter at the thing yep. telling you to if you can come in or not. And I don't know if there's a hell. I don't. But I think there's something. Um, my father had actually always believed that, like, there was. He he was very doubtful too at times, right? Um, mm-hmm. But 
but after his parents had died, my grandparents, um, he he had like a few interesting things happen where he'd recount to me like it didn't sound like a dream because dreams are like you know very disjointed and it's like one scene that doesn't make sense to another scene that doesn't make sense to you know it's just well it's never like this lucid kind of like like uh, starts here ends here and you remember everything that happened you know and he had started calling those visions and he's like i think i think the dead have the ability to visit somehow and i always thought i thought my dad was crazy most of the time you know and he'd get he'd just you know put these ideas into his own head but after he died i had a couple instances that were exactly like how he described it to me where it wasn't a dream it was like we had a conversation I remember every, I, I still remember like it all to this day. I haven't forgotten any of it. And it was just like so clear to me and like meaningful. Like it didn't leave much up to interpretation like dreams normally do. So if I, uh, uh, going off of my experiences, I think somehow, some way, they stick around. You stick around somehow when you die and you're able to, I don't know if you're, if everyone's able to do it, but some are like, I, I don't know what that means. If that means there's a place they all go and then they have access to us or what it's, I definitely haven't like solidified what that might be, but that's my idea of it. I think. Yeah. I, th- I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I, I definitely share that. And yeah, I've, this is something I've gone back and forth on my whole life, basically, you know, uh, you know, what, what does happen is nothing happened. And, you know, th- there's been times where I've, I've totally come to terms with the idea that it's, it's just, you know, the, the long dreamless sleep afterwards, you know, that, the, you know, there isn't really much of anything, but, you know, it's uh, surprising to me is that there, there's actually like some strange, like evidence out there that is, is generally not recognized, um, but just in terms of like people who actually study like near death experiences, you know, and there's like a lot of like shocking um, similarities in in those experiences. And there's a lot of things like um, <laughs> like knowledge that people have when they're over that are not explained by lack of oxygen to the brain, which is, is usually the standard explanation. You know, you see the white light and all that shit because your brain is starved of oxygen and it. uh you know, it, it, it freaks out, basically, and it, it short circuits and gives you a weird vision on the way out the door. Uh, but no, people see all kinds of stuff. Like, people see conversations that are happening that ended up actually happening in real life, and they they know what was said. And, like, you know, re- really bizarre stuff, um, you know. And then, uh, I mean, and then you get into really just the thousands and thousands and thousands of years of people in various cultures, in various ways that communicate with the dead or claim to at least. Yeah. You know, you have the long Island medium. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. That's yeah, carrying it right through to the present day. <laughs> uh, who is that one guy? Um, he, uh, he was like real big in the, I don't know if it was like the early aughts or the late nineties, uh, was it Chris Angel, the mind freak? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I think he did. Was it like John Edwards? Oh yeah, Jonathan Edwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I always get confused because the there a lot was of the people named John. There was, yeah, there was the Democratic uh, Party politician with the same name. Uh, 
yeah, yeah, you know, well, it's funny to see the way, like, that communicating with, like, the dead and all that has, uh, what it, it, how it, how American, like, society or culture, whatever, has, uh, kind of taken that and how they've run with it. I mean, you know, they've made a cottage industry around it, basically. Uh, totally. Which is the very American thing to do, of course. Oh, of course, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then, you know, there, there's also the kind of, the, the other side of it, too, which is that, like, you know, we live our lives perceiving time as linear, you know, like we're we're at a certain point moving in a direction, you know, um, when the reality is, is it's it's probably not that way at all, you know, and so people that... We consider them dead because we consider their death to have happened in the past. Like it's something that already happened, you know, and that that may simply be a limit of our of our brain of, of having a brain of being a living thing. That's why I, I curse being biological all the time, you know. Um, <laughs> but reality is, it 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 may t time really might not work that way. You know, it might be a lot bigger than we think that it is, and that that thing everything has always happened or is always happening, and and everything happens, you know, so that things that we think of as the past because of our finite perception, I mean, they're not really gone. Like, they're, like where did they go? You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's no place to go. Right. That's how I see it anyways. Time is a um, flat circle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody's on it, whether you're dead or alive. Everybody's yeah. on the circle. Yeah. I just think maybe we're not, uh, uh, you know, to, uh, to borrow a phrase from Dr. Emmett Brown, you're not thinking fourth dimensionally or whatever dimension you're, we're really getting at is, you know, yeah, we're not always good at thinking about it in those terms. We definitely just have this small, like, set of, you know, whatever you call it, that we just kind of stick to. I think I'm going to use that phrase in, like, wildly inappropriate settings, you know? Like, I'm just going to, like, look at someone in the middle of a work meeting and be like, you know what, man? You're just not thinking about this fourth dimensionally. Oh, it's great. It's a great line. <laughs> like, like it's one of those, it's one of those like hidden gems in an already very quotable movie. Like, yeah. it's just great. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, and yeah, I mean, one of the things that John and I often bond over is, uh, it, it, well, t sometimes film, but typically television. Typically, are uh, you know your 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 high quality. Uh, HBO programming, um, The Sopranos, The Wire, uh, etc. Are you a are you a Deadwood guy? I don't think we talk about Deadwood. I I enjoyed it, but I've only seen it one time, so okay. I I really need a I that's probably should be up on the docket because yeah, it make, should. You you're know, making like it, a movie now. Finally, yeah, it's it's come it's made. It's coming out in April. Yeah, I mean, you know, I love quoting, uh, you know, the famous final uh, words in the in the last episode of the series. But yeah, that's basically all I remember at this point. Yeah, it was right. the last thing I saw. Um, it was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, that The Wire and The Sopranos. Now I've watched those through multiple times. I, I don't want to put a number on it. And yeah, I can't know, embarrass myself. Yeah, no, I can't. I can't put a number on it. I don't know. The Wire, like. I've lost count completely. Sopranos at least three times. Uh, but you, you kind of um, tell us a little bit about you sort of have like a personal connection. Uh, no, no. <laughs> Actually, that that sounds bad if I say you have a personal connection to the Sopranos. Uh, oh, no, we can't I, talk about that. Tell me, yeah, to my knowledge, John is not connected in any way for the record. Anybody listening? 
but no, in 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 life and in a relationship to a fictional New Jersey, as opposed to the one that he lives in, you, you kind of uh, you got a lot of like family and like memorial connections to that show. Oh yeah, I mean the uh, uh, well, first of all, like Tony Soprano's from Down Neck, Newark. Like that's that's just a part of Newark. Uh, my family was from uh there's a lot of little references that uh you know if you're from basically anywhere else or you never spent any time in new jersey or have anything but like a passing familiarity with it like you're not gonna understand you know he references like uh he says he stopped by nasto's and and got ice cream i don't know maybe for like aj or something once and and i laughed because i remember my dad had an office in uh in newark and i sometimes he'd bring stuff home from nasto's uh the uh the uh what later became satrials right because mm-hmm. in the first episode it was called centani's right that's, oh i didn't even notice that really yeah that's an actual place that that actually exists uh that's in elizabeth new jersey which is where i was born oh wow um, at elizabeth general hospital but it's uh right around the block from this homemade ravioli restaurant we always go to, always went to, still go to sometimes, which right, and then right down the street from that, there's this uh, just like old school Italian ice shack where everything's like, you know, 100% homemade. And it's just, it's like the best thing you'll ever have in your life. It's, it's just like this experience I was able to have when I was a little kid that I'm still able to have now just because those places are still there. Um, yeah, I, it's, yeah, just, I don't know, even just, like, watching the, um, the, like, opening credits to the show, it gives me chills, because, like, I've driven those roads, and that, that journey he makes makes no sense, it's, it can't I've be read right. that, actually, yeah. That, it, yeah, that it's not right. Because that's not, like, it, it's basically, it has to be representative of like what a day in the in the life might look like of all the things he'd pass while driving because it's not it starts off in the Lincoln Tunnel coming out of the Lincoln Tunnel to New Jersey and then um it ends at their house in North Caldwell and then everything he passes between between those two things doesn't make any sense so right, like right. they're so, just counting on it being people like me who who don't know <laughs> yeah yeah right you know, or or Chase. No, I, I don't want to say David Chase wanted the creator of the show wanted people to like look into it because the, he he actually hated that kind of thing. That's why the show ended the way it did because mm. he couldn't he couldn't stand that. He he loved uh he loved kind of fucking with the audience. You know. Yeah, um, that's for sure. He and he did he he did quite a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> but he gets shot in that final scene. Um. I don't think so. You only you really don't think so? Nah, it doesn't make sense. I don't think so. I think I think that's what's supposed to be going through our heads and I think I think that's that was like the best way to kind of actually get us to feel what Tony feels is like this is the life he's chosen. This is what it's always going to be like. It's always going to be, you know, looking at the guy sitting at the counter, uh I wonder what he is, you know, looking at these guys, wonder what they are, you know, the the doorbell chimes again, who could that be, you know, just like always looking over your shoulder, you know, always kind of keeping everything in the peripherals and stuff. I think that was like, 
that was the only way. Well, that's an interesting. Could, that's an could, interesting thing. I really didn't know you felt that way. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if I think if he. If but what he, about like uh like what about like the little clues like the uh like well you know the guy going to the bathroom is a Godfather reference. Right. You know? It was like two episodes before that that someone was talking about dying. I th- or what I don't know. It was. It was early in this season when uh, it was the episode where Bobby and um and Tony get into a fight with each other. Right? Oh yeah. Earlier mm-hmm. earlier in the episode, they're both in the um they're both in the, they're both fishing. Yeah, they're both in a boat fishing, and they're just kind of like talking about it. You know, they're talking about how Bobby Bacala had actually never uh, whacked anyone. You know, um. And then, then they just kind of were on the topic of death. And yeah, what he says is, he says something to the effect of, "I when it happens, you probably don't even hear it, right?" Yeah, and, right. It's and nothing. then I, and then I think in either the second to last, yeah, it's I think it's in the second to last episode, which is the one where Bobby gets killed actually while he's buying model trains. Um, what you call it? He. Um, I had Tony's like lying on that bed with like the machine gun and, and he yep. flashes back to that moment. And then, so yeah, I think, uh, I think, yeah, they kind of took great effort to kind of get that into our heads as well to make us think, well, maybe, you know, that's it, you know, it all goes to black. So that's it. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, but what about, uh, <laughs> like, what was it? A month ago when, when Chase accidentally called it the death scene. <laughs> well, he, he, um, I have that book. I, uh, I've, I still haven't like read every, um, every, like they do seven, like sit down interviews with him, one covering like each, uh, season. Right. But yep. when, when he goes on to like clarify that when he says death scene, he's actually, like referring to something different he's referring to um originally he had written an ending that would have been an implied death scene where like the um the the um like the war with new york was still unsettled right and he was going in and and johnny sack was still alive too right johnny sack was the boss Um, oh wow yeah and he um he was basically like driving through the tunnel to get into the city and everything actually goes to white and the implication being he never made it out of the meeting alive. Like, so it was still like, it was still like the whole leave it up to mystery. Right. But, uh, I, I heard an Alan <laughs> Sepinwall, um, I heard him on a podcast explain it. Uh, and, uh, he, he was actually the guy who, who exactly. I've been following this guy's career since he uh, was writing for the the Star Ledger, which is the actual paper that Tony would always pick up at the end of oh, his yeah. driveway. No, I, right? I remember the Star Ledger from my uh, my my brief stint as a uh, as uh, a New Jersey exactly, you know, as a gabagool eater like me. Right. Right? Yes, right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that this guy has been covering the show since like the beginning. He just wrote this book the soprano sessions along with the other guy who he used to uh to uh write for the star ledger with about the show and um and uh i forget what i was saying yeah well you're 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 defending your position about about tony not dying which i oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. 
So, so he said. I'm glad we saved this for the on air for me to find this out. So we we haven't talked this through before. No, no. So basically, yeah. Now I remember. So he was referring to like a death scene, but he wasn't referring like that was the original ending he had written. He didn't he didn't know the ending we saw in Holstein's, you know, where they're eating the onion rings and and all that, and Meadow somehow forgot how to parallel park. Yeah, he he hadn't had that one figured out yet. So he yeah, he had talked about this other ending. Now maybe he's purposely doing that. You know. Yeah, right. He might be. He might David be. Chase is an interesting guy. I I definitely appreciate like artists like him who, you know, they don't play into the kind of fan theory stuff. I mean, he didn't even make make a show that was really like prone to that kind of stuff if you think about it no 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 and it should no i don't think it should be no really yeah because because while there were some like story arcs right there there were storylines that would span a whole season not necessarily be resolved or would be either earlier than you think or late he kind of bucked like convention and and the show was very like episodic you know you could watch any show at any you could watch any episode at any time and get some level of enjoyment out of it right definitely 100 percent. no no like yeah absolutely absolutely yeah you can you can pick that show up in the middle and kind of figure out pretty quickly what's going on at least enough to enjoy the episode and within a couple episodes you'll know all the characters and yeah. everything and, else you know? and that's actually what i did because yep. i mean i got into the show while it was still on the air but when it came out oh, yeah and, we, and, and what are we are you a couple years younger than me i'm how old am I? Thirty-three. I'll be thirty-three. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you must have been in like what? Like I'm early actually high school or middle school when it started. I, I, I'm the exact age as uh, AJ Soprano. Oh <laughs> no shit! I've oh, looked that's up. I looked oh, wow. up Robert Hiller's age, and he, him and I are the same age. Uh, that's really born funny. in 1985. So yeah, when it came out in uh, in what 99? Uh, yeah. I probably was at what I, that. I think that was the tail end of my like eighth grade, which that's that's middle school here. So then yeah, I know here too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, so yeah, so I wasn't watching it then. Cause it was, no, like, which is good. Yeah. So, but you know, yeah. but then after like the first two or three seasons, then it was basically like every year and a half, every two years, there'd be a new season. Like you had right. to wait a long. People forget that. How long yeah. you had to wait for even even the last season was like season six in two parts, right? Yeah, and, I remember. Yep. And you had to wait a long time in between just those two parts of a, yep. of what's supposed to be of the that same season. season. Yeah, yeah, like it was crazy. So um, so you know, it's like Game of Thrones is today. Yeah, you know, they, yes. they 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 spaced out the last several seasons by like a year and a half to two years apiece. I think they did their best trying to. Like let uh, George R. R. Martin finish a book. Yeah, and, you know, right. I know. It's just like, <laughs> they were trying to give him a chance. You know, geez, like, <laughs> like okay, you know, we're gonna make. I think this last season, like, they're all gonna be, they're gonna be like really long. Like, they're all gonna be like seventy to ninety minutes. Or I think two that's hours. true. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. there's yeah, only that's like gonna be wild. six of them. Yeah. There's only six. Yeah, yeah, so that's the thing. Once this season does start, it's. Well, it's really like five weeks, basically, right? Because you yeah. know the the first and the last are are bookending the thing. You know what I mean? It it's gonna you know hard and fast every week. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, over. 
Yeah. But yeah. with but with like long, long I mean, it's gonna be an interesting time period because you know how many people are gonna be watching it and talking yeah. about it. I mean, it's gonna be like six weeks where like that's gonna consume the culture in a lot of ways, I think. It is, it is. But you uh, you know what I think though? Uh and I think Game of Thrones is an incredibly entertaining show. It's incredibly well done, uh, phenomenal cast, all of that, right? But I don't know if it's going to have, like, is it going to have that staying power where, like, 20, year, 20 years from now, do you think we're going to be talking about it? Like, we're talking about The Sopranos this year and it, it's 20th anniversary. Like, I don't... I, I, I honestly do, I do, but you could be right. I, but I, do, I do think that. Well, it should hold up, right? Because, like, The, the Sopranos is... There's some date, like it's it's somewhat dated. Like they they have those like little flip phone uh, cell phones, right? You can't yeah. really do any of this, any of this stuff where they just like publicly like beat the crap out of a guy, right? <laughs> like like in in today's day, you can't do that because everyone has cell phones. It's going up on YouTube. Oh yeah, like, right. Yeah, the know? videos everywhere so, immediately. Yeah. So eventually, yeah, that's gonna. You know what? But at the same time, it's a car, it's a cultural artifact, though. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Then it becomes a period piece, right? It works. It works as it, it still holds up as a period of piece of like this, basically what almost about it's about a decade in the life of like a, not just an organized crime family, but like an actual family too. You know? Yeah. Oh well, that's a that's a huge part of the show. That that and that's what made I think that show different from every mob movie or anything ever done to that point in time because i mean of course the godfather does this to a certain degree you know that that heavy emphasis on family you know right Um, so i I guess maybe not maybe they weren't the first ones to do it but they're certainly the first ones to do it in that modern way you know in the way of a of of how you would do a family tv show in general you know um it it, you know like like the family show is, is a certain genre right and no mob piece had ever been that no absolutely not like i i kill i couldn't imagine just like a straight up mob story like running for from what 2000 from 99 to 2007 you know i i what is that like eight years i don't i can't imagine it's something like i think it was something like 83 or 86 episodes i can't imagine like just watching a straight up mob story for that long like that wouldn't be interesting to me and i think the closest thing to that is probably boardwalk empire which had what five seasons yeah they knew when to end it and even right even if you ask me it probably went on too long yeah well that's what i was gonna say is even that show which i think everyone generally agrees and i watched a couple seasons when it was first on um everyone agrees was like a high quality show you know but it never had you know, it, it it didn't have that staying power. Nah, he, it, a lot of it was kind of like ham fisted, like the way they would, they would, because they got like good actors to play, uh, you know, Al Capone and Lucky Luciano and, uh, mm-hmm. and and all that, right? But like, then they would just find ways to shoehorn these guys in, and I'm like, right. you know, I don't know, like Al Capone comes all the way from Chicago to help to help Nucky Thompson fight. Fight off! I don't even know who he's at war with at the time. Uh, I think I even remember that, and and I remember thinking that at the time. I was like, I don't, I don't think this is how it went down. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I do. The stuff at the court was good, and just you know, I but 
Yeah, it wasn't. I don't know. It, it'll work as a period piece, I guess. Uh, but that's the thing with stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's interesting because, like, Boardwalk Empire or Game of Thrones, those things can kind of those can't ever be dated because they take place in a place and a time that either well in the case of game of thrones never actually existed or in the case of boardwalk empire was so long ago you know a hundred years ago so you know though they on like kind of like if you take it at face value they have more potential to hold up but i do like the whole idea that even though the sopranos wasn't intended as a period piece it still functions as one and yeah it, it really well, it is now. works I mean, as one time time went by <laughs> and i'll tell you what i'll tell you what like it's really i don't know if it could ever be topped i mean no one's ever tried to to duplicate it or imitate it which is good right other yeah. than other than making the um other than making the uh protagonist of the show also not be a very good person you know having oh, yeah. to be yeah. like an anti-hero right that, yes. Other than that, no one's ever really tried. Uh, if no. they have, they won't succeed at it. I don't think anyone can. I don't even think anyone can surpass uh, like Gandolfini's performance as like a, a leading character in a, in a show. Like, like I just really don't see it. I don't know if there's anyone comparable who's even come close. I don't think what's his name did um, Breaking Bad. Like maybe yep. he, maybe he he's up there, but he, you know, and John Hamm, you know, those are those are the two that come to mind. But did they did they do better than Gandolfini? No, well, no yeah, way. No, I I don't think so. No, no, I no, I don't think either of them did. No, I I, I certainly don't. Uh, no, yeah, I don't. I don't think I would name anybody else any other protagonist that's closer than those two. And and of course they get compared to him a lot and you know some some of that like you know Madman Matthew Weiner was a Sopranos writer so of course Don Draper is going to get compared to Tony Soprano you of know? course um, but yeah and, and I love John Hamm and I love Madman um, but no no I do not think um, that the just like the acting performance alone was anywhere close to Gandolfini um, and I honestly I don't think that about um, uh, God Brian. Oh, Cranston. Brian Cranston, thank you. Yeah, I couldn't uh, think of his name before either. <laughs> I either. Um and and I love and I and I like Breaking Bad. Um I like it less than those other two shows that we're exactly. talking about. Um I, I like it a lot. I mean I so so here's my so here's my let me just give you my ranking, which I, I know you will you will probably find this a little controversial, but like so I give um and, and I and I can explain I can explain where I'm coming from with most of these two, but like, so I only have three A plus shows: uh, The Wire, Deadwood, and um, Game of Thrones. Um, now, Game of Thrones may move down to an A if the final season is the same quality as the seventh season, because I found that the seventh season was excellent on the action, but like the kind of smartness that that really draws you into the show in the early yeah. seasons was basically absent, you know? So I do think that if, if that's what season eight is like, I would probably downgrade it to an A. So we'll call that a plus pending. Um, but I do give the wire an a plus 
And Deadwood is is still a little controversial for me though because I give it an A plus, but like sometimes I wonder if I should call it an A only because it wasn't supposed to end where it ended, you know? Yeah, um, it's not so, really a complete story, right? Yeah, so I, it didn't really end. And then shows that I call A, I don't know. I, I've been rewatching. I don't know if you ever watched Six Feet Under, but I've been rewatching that yes. lately. That's always been an A in my book. Um, and that might be the only one that I call an A. And then A minus a bunch of other things come in. So The Sopranos uh, and Mad Men, and then Breaking Bad for me teeters between a B plus. I think I think it's resting at a B plus. Great show. I don't give I give almost no shows B pluses. You know B plus is high for me, but not good as the others. And with The Sopranos, let me just quantify that and just say uh, qualify it rather. The only reason that I give it an A minus. And it's it's not through any fault of the show because the show was such a pioneer of television in terms of how you make prestige TV, right? And how, frankly, how television can be the best it can be, you know? And how to tell a long-form story. And it did all of these things that without them doing that, zero of the other shows that I just named could have ever been what they were. Um, zero of them. But because it was the first one, they didn't plan it out. You know, they never knew how long it would go. And I just see the last three seasons as they could have really been compressed. Hmm. I, I think that the show, it, it's, it's a plateau, I feel like. Still high quality. You rose up to this high quality, but I think it plateaus. I think, um, yeah, season five, kind of, that's this season with Steve Buscemi as uh, yep. Tony's cousin, also named Tony. Uh, yep. you know, Tony Uncle Al, Tony Uncle Johnny, uh, whatever. Uh, right, right. Um, yeah, season five, uh, kind of, that, that's kind of drawn out a bit. And they actually basically wrote themselves into a corner with that. They, they made yes. they made Steve Buscemi's character like do all this stuff, and then they're like, "Oh, great! Now we have to kill him." Wait, yep. like so yep. that that was really like the only season where there was this like one kind of real arc, uh, you know. Other than I guess the um, you know that's when the uh, like war with New York really ramped up, and then in the first part of the season six, like. I think I don't know if they did ten or they did the standard thirteen or or I don't remember exactly, but the first part I know the final one they did eight, but uh, the first part of season six that's the one with all the stuff with Vito allegedly mm-hmm. allegedly going up to New Hampshire, but as you right. all know he wasn't in right. New Hampshire he was in Boone, New Jersey and on the right. show he was in New Hampshire, but that was all filmed here. Uh, yeah, no, and you know what's funny, man, is that I forget what it was, but there was something – I think I might have mentioned it to you at the time when I was watching that episode just a couple months ago. Um, there was some reference in there that was, like, very um, kind of specific to my area where I Oh, am. yeah? Like it, it was some kind of Peterborough-ish thing where it's like, oh, yep, yep. Um, which does – it does make a little bit of sense. There is a There's a big artist colony here. You know, so like writers and filmmakers and shit come through here a lot. Okay. Um, on the on the only on the DL, it's all very secret. Um, but like, you know what? Actually, I just found out. Um, China Mieville, right? You know that guy? Yeah, yeah. Just he must have done a residence. Yeah, what's that? 
I just bought one of his books first, so it had a sale. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, see, there you go. Um, he must have been in town, like, for it, for a six-week residency uh, sometime in the last, sometime since October came out. Uh, and I only, they keep this all so secret. The only reason I know that was because I was at the town library. Uh-huh. And they have a table there that is books donated by McDowell Colony residents. Okay. And, uh, and of course, the thing that stuck out for me is October is sitting there. And so I walked over and I'm like, is this like for real? You know, like, and I opened it up and it was like, yep, there's a plaque right on the inside. that's like, this is a work by, um, you know, given to us by the author as he was here writing uh, at the McDowell Colony. So, yeah. Um, Sorry for the long tangent there, but no, that's that, cool. that is to say that this would be a sensible place for them to kind of model it after. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So there's all that stuff. And like, I don't know. I do think the last several, the last half of season six is great. I don't think yeah. it ends. I don't think it ends badly. I just think it, it, the way it feels to me and it felt this way, like maybe I think it felt this way every time I watched it, but I was looking for it this time. And so I was like, okay, all right. Yep. I kind of see how it goes. I kind of feel like season five and the first half of season six kind of tread water a little bit. And then they come back for the finish and it's a sprint. You know what I mean? It's, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Like they're because, because then they knew they were, it was over, you know, uh, they had to write an ending. Yeah. I still think he died. But <laughs> but the only other the only thing and I, and I'm I do want to know your take on this. The only reason that I've thought of in the past about why it might be the case that he didn't get shot right there at Holston's uh is who who did it? Cuz like the war kind of ended. Yeah, right? New, York, New York's over, right? Like Who like shot the, him? That that's always been that's always been the biggest hole in that he got shot thing. Where otherwise, I agree. Unless Even as someone who adopts that theory, I have always thought that's the biggest hole because who did it? Because, you know, uh, if Chase was going to write that, uh, write it with him getting shot in mind, right? Like, yeah. it, I would say in his head, like, he'd have to have some kind of, you know, something that would make sense. And, and who is around to really, like, like yeah, I mean, I guess that's maybe the point is you never know. Like, and it, that, that well, and that also is consistent with what you said at the beginning about Chase really just liking to fuck with people. Yeah, because people were saying, <laughs> I, I, they were saying, oh well, it's Eugene Pontecorvo's brother because he's wearing a a members only jacket too, and I'm like, come on, uh, like yeah, that's weak. like that's weak, like you know, so this stuff like that, and then it's like, uh, you know. I mean, the Lupertazzi family, it was like, you don't even know who is in charge anymore. Yeah, it's exactly. Just, exactly. It, it was great. They had uh, Carmine Sr. for decades, and then they went through, like, five people in the span of, what, like, two seasons? Two years or something? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that, 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 th those are my thoughts. I mean, if, if Phil Leotardo had been alive, obviously that would have that I think would have really sealed up that question, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm glad he didn't make it to the end of the show alive. Fuck oh, he guy. had to die. No, he fuck was that guy in in Goodfellas and fuck that guy in Sopranos. He basically played. He basically played 
the guy the who, same he played, guy he played billy bat <laughs> if billy bat wasn't murdered by joe Pesci. That's right. like that's like exactly that's, the same. that's billy who he was <laughs> it's like billy bat's lived uh he had to go to prison he's salty as fuck now so he's just gonna make everyone's lives hell and yeah just, he got out of jail and he told tony to go get his shine box right basically right and when he got out of jail, like, who the hell was he? He was, he was like, I, I don't even think he was a captain. Like, he was just right. a soldier. I don't know. Yep. Yeah, I'm glad he died. I'm glad he I went the way he did. Yep, me too. Me too. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a, it's a great show. <laughs> and yeah. I, am, I am jealous. I think it's nice that you, you guys had a bit of a family ritual around it. Um, yes. When it was on the air. That's really cool. Yes. I actually, um, uh, and I think you hinted at this earlier, and I just never touched upon it. But I did write something about um, it, I called I it. It's on my site. Yes, it's on my site, uh, awinnersme.com. and uh, I it's called the day Tony Soprano died. And we, will, actually, we will link to that in the notes to yeah. this episode. <laughs> and it's actually about the day James Gandolfini died, right? And yep. it, it was huge news, right? Uh, CNN everything i was I, I i was home my father was home and and it, it's on every channel at this point and we're just like beside ourselves yeah because we had such an attachment to this guy and dad made me go down the street to a liquor store buy a bottle of johnny walker and then him and i drank to to the memory of james gandolfini and it was crazy to me because my father wasn't one of those like idol worship like yeah like, yeah. putting celebrities on a pedestal yeah. like nah because he was like jimmy gandolfini was like one of ours you know like um he was like that every man kind of actor first of all he was from jersey went to Rutgers, like he was all that but anyway um so i think i also in that in that little piece i wrote i also um i just kind of talk about the role sopranos played in like my family life uh so for the last couple of seasons, once I started being old enough to be allowed to watch it, whenever that was, uh, probably around season four, I'm guessing. Yeah, that uh, would make sense, yeah. We did a thing where my, um, it was what, Sunday nights? So nor- normal uh, normal Sunday dinner in an Italian house in New Jersey is about 3 p.m. with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the meatballs, the sausage, whatever pasta you made that day. Yeah. Uh, and then later that night, you know, because eating on Sundays, dinner was basically breakfast and lunch. And, right. Yeah, and right. Then, and then you <laughs> snack a little bit, maybe. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, just keep the blood sugar up, if you will. But, uh, yeah. but then, uh, yeah, uh, right before The Sopranos would come on, uh, he'd make a couple homemade pizzas every time. Yeah. For every episode, we ate, we ate homemade awesome. pizza 13, you know, 13 weeks out of the year. Like, just, like, back That's kind of back. amazing. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, it was, it was, I, I looked forward to it. Like, it was just, you know, it, it's just like one it's of those. It's an event. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like one of those things that, like, you can't even duplicate it now because there's no show that yep. everyone in my family wants to watch in that way. And and it wouldn't even make sense to make pizza. Like, it made sense to make yeah. pizza for The Sopranos, you know? Yeah, right, right, right. And my yeah. dad made good pizza. Yeah, he made good I pizza. I believe it. Yeah, and then what did I... And then yeah. I think I, uh, I kind of tied that whole piece up with uh, what Tony says at the end of 
the last episode of the first season, and then AJ says it again in the last scene of the last episode of the entire show. And it's just, it, Tony goes off on this speech about, like, remembering the good times, it, like, the little things, you know. Yep. It's some kind of thing like that, right? And then and then AJ repeats it uh, however many years later. And, and I just kind of, I'm like, you know what? Like, that was kind of, like, the crux of it, like remember the little things. Like, it, yeah, I that's not the point of the whole show, but as far as like the good family stuff, that that was the point as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, you know? absolutely, absolutely. Um, and like that was the piece specifically. I remember, like you know, you had already kind of had me thinking about stuff and like what you know getting my act together and you know what I should be doing and stuff like that. Uh, but that was the piece that really kicked my ass that I remember. I remember I kind of weird, but I remember where I was when I was reading that piece. It was on vacation on Cape Cod with my in-laws. And I think I had gone by myself to this like incredibly busy, but really good. It was a very popular place sandwich shop down the road from where we were staying. And I was just getting myself some lunch or something. And I had a lot of time to wait for the sandwich. And so that's where I'm sitting there on my phone and I'm reading this piece and I'm like, fuck, I'm like, this is awesome. I mean, like you re- you really kind of like I, w- I was I was moved in the sandwich shop. And uh, I remember talking to you about it at the time and just being like, man, this is this is something else. This is good shit. And that's when I was really like, yeah, I, I need I need to I need to do a little writing now. Yeah, and then I think that's what, when you got back from your vacation, you wrote, like, a whole thing on, like, the idea of vacations and, like, all that, right? You wrote yes, I like did. I, yeah, I did. No, I think, I think it might have been that night, man. It might yeah. have been that night. Like, I might have waited till everyone went to sleep and I, like, wrote a bunch of stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, it was the, the inspiration was immediate. Like, uh, you know, um, yeah, I mean, so that was, so, so I, I mean, I thank you for that, John. I, I definitely owe you a lot in terms of writing and and having someone to share these things with you know and we got this great ritual where like he posts a piece and then i share it on my facebook and he does the same thing when i do it you know i mean it's cool yeah (laughs) A, a lot of years man i've wanted like you know anyone else that i was close with you know i would always hope that someone would would want to write you know regularly um so this is a lot of fun for me you know oh yeah it's great you know i it's yeah, I mean, it's been a pleasure. And actually, uh, something that uh, Zoe and I were talking about on Saturday night is, uh, and this is all going to be a surprise, because nobody, nobody who's listening to this, this is a tease right now, actually, everybody. This is an official Wizard of Monadnock tease, because nobody on here knows what Monadnock Underground is. Uh, but you will soon. And John knows what it is, though. I and- do. Um, we are hoping that maybe like once a month or so you wouldn't mind uh, writing something for us as a recurring like uh, friend of ours in New oh, Jersey. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I'm touched. Like we we have a slot for you whenever you want it, but we we'd love it if you would do it once you know like on some sort of recurring basis uh, about whatever the hell you want. Absolutely. Yeah. That'd be great. We, we had a little uh, working session uh, planning out uh, some of the details prior to launch, and uh, I, I had you up at the top of the, uh, the the desired writers list. Oh, my God. 
even though we are, we are we are asking most people like from around here like it, it yeah. is almost all local but you know there's there's going to be exceptions to that and uh we would like you to be one of the exceptions okay well once i wipe away these tears of uh, of, uh you know surprise and joy oh uh, yes awesome. <laughs> i'm in i love it man i love it well hey i mean we've been going for about an hour um, yeah i think uh i think we can call it a wrap but this has been a ton of fun and uh and and frankly you know i mean i i do these episodes like i try to do an episode one a month i think i did my my worst in 2018 and i did like maybe uh six so i think i think i did one every two months something awful like that uh but i am kind of reconfiguring my creative uh priorities and stuff i'm actually uh this will be another this is another news i'm going to drop on the show that no one knows yet i'm actually going to drop the uh the Patreon for Wizard of Monadnock and uh, all Wizard of Monadnock content will will revert will just be free and uh, it's that was something I just could never keep up with and uh, I think that's part of the reason that I it was kind of a it's a funny thing when it comes to like doing like creative work when it's not your real job I mean you know how it is right like oh, yeah. so like what I would do is I would be like all right shit I've got all these like Patreon commitments that I haven't quite done yet. And I'd be like, all right, but I don't know if I'm ready to do that yet. And all right, shit. All right. I feel really guilty. Uh, but I can't make a new regular podcast episode until I do these other obligations, but I'm not really feeling those other obligations. So I'll just do neither of them and watch the Sopranos, you know? (laughs) Um, <laughs> and so, you know, oftentimes I learn these things about myself, uh, after the fact and I observe what I'm doing and then I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like sabotaging my own self by inserting these tasks that are not getting done at all. And they're preventing other tasks from getting done all in my head. You know, yeah. Like talk about at the beginning, we were saying always, you know, kind of doing things a little bit too much in the head. Um, Oh yeah. <laughs> so we're we're gonna take that out, and that I think is gonna streamline things. So you know, the episodes are infrequent, and I've got actually a few things lined up for the next few months. But I'd love it if you'd come on a couple times a year. You know, if maybe we'll do this in the summertime or something, and uh, and you know, kind of see what the update from New Jersey is. Oh yeah, whenever you want. Sounds good, man. All right. Well, I appreciate it, and. Uh, We'll talk soon, and everybody, all of John's stuff is going to be in the um, release notes. Please uh, follow him on Facebook and and follow his blog because it's excellent. And um, yeah, I endorse. It has the Wizards' 100% endorsement. Thank you. All right, take care, buddy. Bye.